0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies and gentlemen your, attention your attention please. please. Now, batting now batting for Fantasy for Sports, for Sports, Sports Radio, Radio Network, Network. Fan Rock Fantasy, fantasy baseball, baseball. baseball, the host, and Melchior, Melchior. Yeah. Fan Fantasy Baseball. <laughs>
1: Welcome, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and got a nice show planned for you today. And uh, a big chunk of it is going to be spent with Matt Modica uh, from here at uh, Fantasy Sports Radio and also uh, CTM Baseball. So I always love having Matt on the show. It's been a while. It's been, frankly, too long. And uh, Matt is one of my favorite go-to people to talk about pitching in fantasy, particularly starting pitching. So we're going to devote two full segments and really go back into a little more depth into what I was talking about in this show uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, going through uh, a very sort of rough draft of my starting pitcher tiers and get Matt's, uh, Matt's take on, on uh, his own tiers and some key pitchers, uh, that you may want to target or may want to avoid. Uh, so, uh, be uh, glad to have Matt on the show. That'll be happening uh, down the road just a little while here. Uh, Otherwise, the slow uh, news days continue to uh, trickle in one after another. Uh, We do have a few items uh, and also a couple really interesting pieces that uh, have come out this morning. Uh, One on the Phillies from NBC, NBC Sports Philadelphia on their rotation, and then a piece that just came out really just a few minutes ago uh, from when we're uh, taping this show from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and basically uh, which players are most likely to be dealt away uh, before the season starts, maybe before spring training. And uh, some some interesting tidbits there, so I definitely wanted to get through that. But uh, first of all, uh, some Marlins news. Uh, Christian Yelich, Yelich's agent, Joe Longo, told Jerry Krasnick of ESPN that uh, Yelich's relationship with the Marlins is irretrievably broken. Uh, now, that language has been tempered a bit, and um, the the team is saying that they expect – Yelich to uh, appear at Fan Fest. That they, uh, you know, are, are making plans of, as if he'll uh, be with the team come spring training time. But yet at the same time, they are very active in uh, trade talks with other teams in regard not only to Christian Yelich but also JT Muto. So not a big change there, but a little bit of drama uh, with the, those two players in particular. Uh, there's a uh, development that is not something I would have thought about being fancy relevant but it may be and that is that there may be a pitch clock in fact it seems very likely that there's going to be a pitch clock in major league baseball this year 22nd pitch clock Uh, i'm going to talk in a bit about the implications of that so uh with that said uh just uh really one other well okay two other things of note here one that the uh nationals have finalized their signing of howie kendrick and also, the Rangers have signed Kirk Casale to a minor league deal. That might not sound like something of note, but I'm going to explain why I think it might be relevant a little later on in the show. But for right now, we got to head to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about pitch clocks. We're going to talk about Kirk Casale. And uh, we're going to Matt Modica here sooner than later. So stick around for all that. We'll be right back. The sun can make your outdoor deck and patio space so hot and uncomfortable you can't use it. But now there's the Sunsetter Retractable Awning. It provides protection from the sun's harmful rays and can keep your patio about 20 degrees cooler. Call 800-869-4993 now and you can get your Sunsetter for as little as $599 with your special $200 discount certificate. Call 800-869-4993 now for your discount certificate and you'll also get a free awning idea kit. Call 800-869-4993. That's 800-869-4993. Welcome back. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And those are the unmistakable sounds of Enya. Uh, but we're going to leave Enya behind and uh, move on to talk about the Rays because there's a really interesting piece that came out earlier today from Mark Topkin in the Tampa Bay Times talking about how uh, the Rays still need to shed some payroll. And so he did uh, just a, a sweep of the roster and speculated on which players were most likely to go. Uh, One of the things that was maybe mildly surprising to me, probably shouldn't have, but it's just there have been so many Chris Archer rumors for seemingly so long that uh, it was a little surprising to to read him uh, sort of soft-pedal the idea of uh, Archer being dealt and said that uh, Jake Odorizzi was, uh, to, to his words, the most tradable among the starting pitchers. And again, no, you know, shouldn't really be a big surprise there, but in relation to the Rays' rotation, as it's currently constituted, uh, something too, that was again, in retrospect, not surprising, but sort of a nice reality check for me, uh, maybe for some others was that when he, you know, rattled off the, you know, the likely order of the rotation that, uh, you know, currently you've got, uh, Archer and uh, Odorizzi uh, heading it up. But uh, more questionable would be uh, Jacob Faria. And I sort of, in my own mental uh, depth chart, had him ahead of Nathan Avaldi, But uh, he's got Avaldi pretty much as a lock for that rotation. So uh, the, the way that uh, Topkin has it listed right now, Archer, Odorizzi, Snell, Avaldi, And then, and basically those are the four, as of right now, that would start the season in the rotation, you know, probably starting with a, a four man rotation. Uh, now, of course, again, at least one of those likely to be moved, probably Jacob Derizzi. but uh, you know, so that would make room for uh, not only uh, Jacob Faria, but uh, Matt Andrees as well. But the, the idea that, you know, they're neither one is necess- necessarily a sure thing for the Rays' rotation. Uh, Faria is somebody that in, in early mocks I've, Put him in my queue. Yeah, I liked what he did last year. I'm also a little bit skeptical, but I like the upside. But uh, just to see that his situation is a little more, bit more tenable than Evaldi's, that, that's a bit of a reality check for me. But in addition to Odorizzi, he uh, names Alex Calame as a potential trade candidate. Again, nothing much new there, uh, but also he names uh, Denard Span and Corey Dickerson. So that's that's an interesting name there. And Brad Miller, too. And Brad Miller is one of the more uh, interesting players going into this year because he had the big breakout two years ago. Rough season last year, marred by injury, but also underperformance. And so, again, as it's currently constituted, uh, Brad Miller would be the team's first baseman. But he could be a a key trade chip uh, going into the next few weeks. So could be some openings there. And and really no nobody uh, you know that's going to run away with the second base job there. So uh, you've got uh, Joey Wendell who was recently acquired, uh, Daniel Robertson who played a bit there last year. So uh, you know if Miller's gone. That's <laughs> and, and Denny Etcheverria could be gone too. So really Matt Duffy, oddly enough, who uh, didn't play last year, he he seems to be the one person who's kind of inked into that. Starting infield, so interesting things uh, perhaps ahead for the Rays. It'll be uh, you know maybe an opportunity for somebody like Jake Bowers to nail down a job. Although, one last thing about this article, and then maybe I'm, I'm bearing the lead here because from a fancy perspective, this might be the thing that's going to interest the most people. Uh, Topkin writes, "Don't expect to see Willie Adams, Jake Bowers. Okay, so maybe I was a little premature there. Brett Honeywell." Or Christian Arroyo to open the season with the Major League team, so that's also good information to have. But if they do gut this this lineup and gut the rotation, it, it certainly I would think just be a matter of time before we see all four of those prospects uh, up with the Rays. So going to be a fun, interesting team to watch in the next uh, next few weeks. Uh, Let's talk about the pitch clock, though, Uh, because this is one of the bigger items from the last day or two. So uh, Rob Manfred wants to institute the pitch clock. The Players Association doesn't want it, but Manfred has the ability to unilaterally implement this. Uh, It's been been used in the minor leagues uh, at some levels uh, for the last few seasons uh, in the Arizona Fall League. And Manfred's ready to bring it uh, to the major leagues. 22nd pitch clock. And I, you know this has been a news item for a little while now. Didn't think much about it, but just on a lark, I wanted to see what the uh, seconds per pitch pace was for starters last season. And given that the, the pitch clock's a 20 second pitch clock, I figured there'd be some starters who took on average less than 20 seconds per pitch. There was not. <laughs> there was not a single qualified starting pitcher. I shouldn't say pitchers. I didn't look at the whole universe. But those who qualified, those who put up you know the most innings, uh, not a single one of them averaged less than 20 seconds per pitch. Or in between pitches, I should say. There were a grand total of six qualified starters that averaged below 21 seconds. The Quickest worker was Carlos Martinez, and then he was followed by Jason Vargas, Ty Block, Michael Waka, Mike Leak, and Chris Sale. Now, this is a, a, a new phenomenon because as recently as 2016, there were half a dozen pitchers uh, just among the qualifiers who averaged less than 20 seconds between pitches. And then the year before that, 2015, almost doubled. There were 11. So when we talk about the pace of play becoming an increasingly big problem, uh, that's not just talk. Uh, there are numbers to back that up. So there, there's something to be said for that. And there were also six pitchers among the qualifiers that averaged more than 26 seconds between pitches. The slowest of the slow – Sonny Gray. And then uh, he was followed by Alex Cobb, Hugh Darvish, Jason Hamill, Justin Verlander, and Jeremy Hulickson. So think about it every pitcher is going to have to make some adjustment to this pitch clock, which seems like a, a, a near certainty at this point that this is going to happen. So we go from, you know, pitchers like Carlos Martinez, who probably just have to make a very minor adjustment. But for the most part, it's gonna be a serious adjustment. And then for the pitchers on the other extreme end, like Sonny Gray, uh, you Darvish, Alex Cobb, um that's uh you know, that's gonna be a big adjustment. And I have to wonder if it's going to affect them. And so I looked a little bit deeper into this and wondered, are these are these sort of new trends for these extreme pitchers? Well, Sonny Gray. Uh, He increased his time between pitches by three seconds last season. But that said, he has averaged above 24 seconds between pitches in every year of his career. So he's gone from being slow to sort of molasses slow, ultra slow. Hugh Darvish has averaged more than 25 seconds between pitches in every year of his career. And Justin Verlander has been above 25 in each of his last three seasons. So that number has been creeping upward bit by bit by bit for Justin Verlander, mirroring what's going on in the game itself. So it'll be interesting to see if pitchers like Gray and Darvish and Verlander struggle a bit if this clock is implemented. So uh, we'll see what happens there. And I mentioned before, uh, not only was there an interesting piece about the Rays that came out this morning, but also uh, Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia uh, recently published a piece on uh, the Phillies' uh, offseason plans. They're looking to add a pitcher, maybe a very high-end pitcher, maybe you Darvish, or maybe Jake Garrietta. And In fact, uh, Nick Williams has been working out with Jake Arietta this off season. So he's really been actively recruiting Arietta. Uh you know I don't know that that means anything at all. But I think the more important thing than you know Nick Williams trying to bring Jake Arietta to Philly is just the notion that uh that the Phillies are looking to add a starter and and possibly a higher end starter. Uh currently uh you got three starters that are pretty much Locked in Aaron Nola, Jared Eickhoff, and Vince Velasquez. And and that one surprises me a little bit because there's been talk over the last couple of years about Velasquez maybe being a candidate to go to the bullpen. But at least as of right now, it seems like he's slated uh, to be right in the middle of that rotation. And then you've got a whole bunch of pitchers that are currently vying for a spot. And it's so if they bring in, let's say, if they do bring in Jake Arrieta, uh, it's going to be even tighter for anyone of Nick Pavetta, Zach Eflin, Ben Lively, Jake Thompson, um, Mark Leiter Jr., or Tom Eshelman. And all of those pitchers, as it stands right now, would stand a chance to open the year in the Phillies rotation. So that's an interesting situation to watch. Anyhow, i uh, going to take a break from uh, the news and uh, head, to, uh, head to a little uh, break here. But when we come back, Matt Modica will be here, and we'll be talking about pitchers for quite a while. So you want to stick around for that. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app Welcome back to the show, everybody. And the show is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, joining me in this very uh, quiet moment that we have going on right now. <laughs> uh, from, <laughs> excuse me. Right here at uh, Fantasy Sports Radio. Uh, none other than Wall Street, Matt Modica. Matt, I love saying that now. Now that I know that that's your, that's your moniker. Uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, rejoining me here on the show.
0: Well, thank you for having me on this award-nominated show. On uh, that, Al, that music was fantastic. I was, I was trying to hold back from the all after.
1: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think you're you're bringing the uh, you know appropriate uh, calm and, and, and gravity uh, to the segment. So, uh, and thank you very much for the uh, here here we go again yeah. uh but thank you very much for the congrats yeah, i'm very excited that this show in its first year uh, has been uh, nominated uh for a best baseball podcast by fswa so uh, great great honor uh and and uh, great shows uh, to be in company with so thanks thanks much matt uh well, and well also deserved. uh i'm sorry it's well deserved oh well thank you very very much uh so what, what can we look forward to from you other than uh, your, your presence on this uh, fine radio network here? Uh, are we going to see uh, anything over at uh, CTM Baseball? Or you have, have some other good stuff uh, in store for us uh, this, this draft prep, se- draft prep season?
0: Uh, Monday, I will start having some pictures uh, going up on CTM Baseball. And uh, I'm excited about that. I'm probably on my fifth draft ch- NFBC Draft Champions uh, league. I started the weekend uh, right before Thanksgiving. I've seen some uh, things change here and there along the landscape. And you know every day is one day closer to baseball pitchers and catchers reporting under a month now. Yeah. so I'm excited, very excited. <laughs>
1: I am too for, for all that. And uh, yeah, can't wait for the pitchers and catchers to get there. Uh, that, that date is creeping closer and closer and maybe, uh, you know, there'll even be some free agents with camps to go to uh, at that point. That would be nice. Uh, so, uh, as, you know, things are obviously because of that situation, a, a little unsettled, but uh, uh, going back a little more than a week ago on this show, I uh, unveiled my, an initial sort of draft of of starting pitcher tiers and i've I've got the big four at the top. I don't think there's too much uh division on on that, but of course i don't want to speak speak for you and I'll let you you know uh unveil yours in a moment but uh then you know beyond that there's a are another nine that are i think all viable s p ones and then another group. That you know could fill out your SP twos, and then basically you know it's just rich pitchers that are riven with risk or inconsistency, or uh, you know there's some like really worrisome flaw there. So I, I'm really you know going to be sort of hell bent on getting two of my top twenty four. Uh, so how, how does the landscape look to you? Uh,
0: I'm with you, Al. I think pretty much everybody's going to have the big four. There's no need to go out on a ledge here and try and, you know, uh, split the atom. These are the four best pitchers. There was a uh, NFBC auction this past weekend. I didn't participate in it, but I got the results. And all four of these pitchers in a 15-team league went for over $40. I mean, they are more aggressive in the NFBC. But even for myself, I'm not paying that. I'm fine we're taking one of these guys in the second half of the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially from, like, pick 10 on, I can get involved with that because you can still get a good hitter after the turn, and even more yep. so in a 12-team league. I think that, uh, that works out really nice for you. But I pretty much have four tiers that I'm set on. That's, like, 23 pitchers that I have in. And my fifth and sixth tier is pretty much... Where I'm out at, at that point, and I'll go back and forth, depending upon roster uh, cont- uh, rotation construction. I'm, you know, if, if I need an innings guy, I can grab a John Lester, if I need an upside guy. you know, a Danny Salazar is someone I'm very interested in this year. I'll even take a shot if I have the foundation. Garrett Richards is another name if I'm going to gamble on an arm and the talent. You know, But starting off, yeah, the big four, for me, the hardest guy to rank, on, in all honesty, is Noah Syndergaard. Because mm-hmm. we know what the talent is and what he can be. But how much faith do you have in actually drafting him?
1: Well, you know, I, I, I was hoping we'd get around to talking about him. So, uh, yeah, I don't think there's any getting around that. And I do have him in that second tier beyond uh, uh, the big four. And uh, are, are you pretty settled on your ranking within the big four? Uh, is Kershaw still your number one? or Because uh, to me, it, it's, it's really close among the four of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, it all depends on which way you want to go. I do have Kershaw as – he, look, he is the best pitcher. I'm just not confident he's going to give you the uh, – he's going to give you those 200 innings. Uh, at first pitch, Arizona, we do our first draft there. Every year, that first weekend of November, I took uh, Scherzer ahead of Kershaw in that one. And I just felt that even though Kershaw is, whatever, 32, he's got a couple of years on him. He had the groin last year, but he still got that 200 innings. And I think Mm -hmm. he's a safer bet to get you the 200 innings, 250 strikeouts. So, I mean, people are still taking Kershaw early. You're not really getting a discount.
1: Yeah, no, you're, you're not at all. Absolutely not. Um, well, if we move, move into your, your second tier. So the, the top four are off the board, uh, and but you want to get uh, one of that next group. How big is that group for you? And, and who's the, who is the one that you figure you're going to be able to fall back on that might go, that might go last?
0: Well, the last guy in this tier, I put seven pitchers in here or, no, excuse me, six pitchers, and it's Syndergaard, and I don't even know if I'm going to draft him, but I have to have him as the 10th overall pitcher just for his upside. It's, you know, somebody I want to take, but I'm afraid that he could be a Cy Young Award winner or his arm could explode on the mound. But I just on the talent and what I've seen, I can't put him past 10. So he made this thing, but in in this group, the two guys I really want, Uh, Based on price, I'm looking at the NFBC in 12-team drafts, and Carlos Carrasco and Jacob deGrom are pretty much 31st overall. So if I had to choose between the two, I'd take deGrom over Carrasco, but you give me either one of those guys, I'm more than happy to stop my rotation off with.
1: All right, well, and I, I want to go back, and I'm sorry, I'm skipping around a bit here, but I, I did mean to, to follow up what you're talking about, Danny Salazar, and you're really liking Danny Salazar, and you said you, you'd take him if you had the foundation. How much of a foundation do you need? Is it just a solid one and two, or more than that? Uh, what, 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 what is it going to take?
0: Uh, I definitely need to have two guys that I feel pretty confident can reach that, you know, circuit 200 innings. Uh, I can give you an example. In my last draft... I, look, I've I have tons of Nola already, and you know we're not even in February. I have Arenola and Carlos Martinez as my one and two. I think both these guys can get 190 innings or more. So, in having that, I went with uh, Danny Salazar. Some of the other names I wanted a John Lester. He was gone already, and I said at this point, if Salazar gives you anywhere close to say north of 160 innings i think you're gonna have possibly one of the better pitchers in baseball the strikeouts will be there it's you know the health the consistency but he's shown flashes this kid Uh, Mm -hmm. i still believe in him and at that point i'm willing to take a risk
1: all right uh yeah and i absolutely agree i'd be thrilled to get 160 innings out of danny salazar uh, He's only pitched quality.
0: over 151,
1: so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's why I'd be thrilled. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think that segues uh, pretty smoothly into asking you about Robbie Ray. And I had uh, Greg Jewett on this show about two weeks ago. And I, yeah, I talked about a category of pitchers, the really high K pitchers, Ray and Salazar definitely qualify, who still have some sort of concern uh, when contact is made. And so you certainly like the fact that they're keeping contact to a minimum, but with Ray it's it's a very high uh hard contact rate and a high average distance rate. Uh with Salazar it's um you're not sure if the control is going to be there. Uh so you you, you want to have that foundation for Salazar. Do you also require that for Robbie Ray or is he just one of your like SP2s that you can just plug in?
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to draft Robbie Ray, but I find myself not pulling the trigger, to be honest with you, for the fact that, look, I see him as a 350-ish ERA guy. I don't see him as a sub-3 ERA. If the control corrected, then yes, he could be one of the most dominant pitchers with the strikeouts. I don't see the the control automatically correcting. He could benefit from the humidor. Supposedly, it's installed. I mean, I haven't heard the confirmations on this, but they said they were going to wait till after the season played out. And it was going to be implemented. But Robbie Ray, to me, is the National League version of, like, Chris Archer. You know they're going to give you the 200-plus strikeouts. It's just how much, uh, you know, where's that ERA going to land? I mean, last season, Robbie Ray's ERA was, like, 280 or something like that. To me, he's not a 280 pitcher. And that's fine in this environment. Give me 350, 360 with 218 strikeouts. I mean, he's done it back-to-back years with, with no more than 175 innings. So for that, I'm fine with it. And it's like with Chris Archer. He's his ex-FIP. I mean, I'm an ex-FIP guy. I think it's more predictive than FIP. So I look at the ex-FIP, and every year it's like 330, 340. But the problem is he lives in the American League East, and the Red Sox, uh, was it Fenway and Camden Yards? He's got a lifetime ERA of circa 500. If he ever got traded to the National Leagues, if the Cubs pulled off a deal or the Dodgers, where which I think either one of those teams should do to acquire Archer, he could be a Sa young uh, winner.
1: I absolutely agree. I think he's perennially underrated. Well, got a few more pitchers I'll ask you about, but we got to head to break and uh, also want to uh, just talk about general pitching strategy too uh, Matt so sure. we're going to get to all that in the next segment uh, thank you in advance for sticking around
0: oh, and we like will it.
1: be yeah good, glad to hear it we'll be right back
0: in a world Where most fantasy shows are, well, basically lame. Three warriors emerge from the ashes. Jake Sealy with his power to predict the future. I told you so. Joe Pizapia with his sword of truth. You know nothing. And Chris Meany with the ability to apologize. Sorry. They are the award-winning on-target fantasy every day here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Check the link.
1: Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and helping me to keep the mood going here is uh, Matt Bodica <laughs> from Fantasy Sports Radio at CTM Baseball. So, Matt, let's uh, pick up where we left off, uh not just me musically, but uh, talking about uh, some pitchers that I uh, think are a little more polarizing among the top uh, 20 or 30. So we've talked about Robbie Ray. We've talked a little bit about Chris Archer. Um, so I've got five others, and I'm going to go uh, rapid fire sure. with these and ask you, which tier would you put them in? And then we can circle back maybe to, to one or two of them. Uh, Zach Granke, what, what tier do you think He's he belongs in? in tier
0: three, just outside the top ten.
1: Okay. Uh, Carlos Martinez.
0: Coach Martinez is in tier three, just outside the top ten with Grinky.
1: All right. Uh, Justin Verlander, is he with them? He's in tier
0: three. I got Verlander behind both.
1: <laughs> okay, now that's fair. I figured he probably would be. And uh, his teammate, Dallas Keuchel.
0: I got Keuchel and Verlander right next to each other.
1: So oh, so I've got some company in uh, being a Keuchel fan. Uh, oh, yeah. And uh, Garrett Cole? The
0: Garrett uh, new. Cole yeah. leads off tier four. He stays just inside the top 20 for me. I am extremely excited about this guy. I'm stoked he went to the Stros and not the Yankees. I've been <laughs> drafting him. I mean, Aaron Nola, Garrett Cole, uh, and uh, Jarrett, Jarrett Richards are the three guys I own the most shares of right now.
1: All right. Well, you know, I think the ones, probably the last two, uh, uh, Keiko and Cole, uh would be the most controversial out of that group in terms of where you have them. Uh I I I'm, I'm with you on Keichel. I I I'm pretty confident I'm going to be able to wait on him and get him as an SP3. Uh I would think probably the same with Garrett Cole. I'm I'm more on the fence about whether he's a 2 or a 3. Uh or whether uh, he's we, you we, know, third tier, third tier or fourth tier. Um so get, what 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 do you see for Cole?
0: Well, we're talking with Garrett Cole this is a guy who's going to turn 27 years old. Two out of the last three years has hit that 200-inning mark. He, I believe, has in two of the last three years at least 196 strikeouts or so. Uh, the fact that he's going to the Astros, and we see what the Astros have been able to do with pitchers, make them use their best pitch. Uh, he's been a guy that's thrown the fastball a ton. Uh, they could get him to uh, use the breaking ball more, it'll probably... Uh, enhance that fastball. We've seen what happened with Colin McHugh as a Met fan. I watched him. That guy was uh, was a nothing, and look what they turned him into. Uh, Verlander came there last season. We've seen the improvements with him. So I'm just a fan of what Houston does, and for Cole to go there, I don't think there's a better landing spot for him. Uh, the thing with Keuchel is, Keuchel's got to stay on the mound. Getting injured last year was a shame because he was – I mean, he was phenomenal. He was looking like he was having a Cy Young award-winning year. And I don't think he's going to be – I'm not worried. about. I've heard people talk about the Astros are going to follow the Dodgers last year with the DL. Maybe Charlie Morton and Lance McCullers, but not that big three, and especially not Dallas Keuchel. Keuchel Mm -hmm. is in the final year of his contract. It's one of the reasons they went out and got Garrett Cole because they get two years of Cole. So they're pretty much willing to let – Dallas Keuchel leave after the season, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, Keuchel, just don't expect Keuchel to be a guy that's going to have like a 260 ERA. If you're expecting, you know, if he gets you 330, 340, that's damn good, too.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would take the under on those. Uh, You know, again, closer to that than 260, to be sure. But, yeah, and the, the health concerns are, are you know, and Can I that's say gonna, one more thing about yeah. Houston?
0: Yeah. Uh one of the things I would do look, I like Lance McCullers a lot, but we know the risk that's associated with him. You know, he has the chance to be one of the best pitchers, but he could also pitch 60 innings this year. Also with Charlie Morton, look, he's what, 35 and coming off a career year. But if I draft either one of these two guys, I'm drafting Brad Peacock because I think he's their handcuff. And Peacock, in a 12-team league, I was looking at NFB ADP, is going after the 180 mark. So that's after the 15th round. And if Ken Giles was to stumble and fall, as he's done early on in seasons, I wouldn't be shocked if Peacock got a chance to maybe close for them. So, you know, I think Brad Peacock's a wild card this year. If you can get him anywhere after the 15th round in a 12-teamer, you've got to jump on him.
1: Yeah, and that's a great strategy to pair him with one of the I think uh, really any of the top three uh, in Houston. That's yeah, and, and Keiko especially I'll,
0: with. I think la- last season on pitchers that pitched a minimum of a hundred innings, only seven pitchers had a higher K percentage than uh, Brad Peacock.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big fan too, and uh, you know the the Cole signing for me was a little disappointing for his his value, but like you say, there's you know there's a way to uh to utilize him and and pair him with uh you know particularly I think with with Dallas Keuchel with his injury history uh and the skills will help you in one way or another whether it's closing long relief or uh mm-hmm. or as a starter uh just in general who do you like right now based on you know ADP's and the drafts that you've done who do you like as bargain uh, starting pitchers
0: uh i mean as a starting p- the problem this season is these first two rounds, the hitters are so good. And I'm somebody that's never been afraid to take pitching in the first round. But I've been shying away in the first two. So in that third round, as I mentioned earlier, I'm targeting uh, DeGrom or Carrasco as my ace. I think Severino was fantastic last year. I'm really not worried about him. There's not many pitchers that give you a 30% strikeout percentage and a 50% ground ball rate. I think the kids are only going to get better. Yeah, he probably did get tired come to playoffs last season, but uh, he, was, he was a really good arm. Those are like the third round, guys. If I'm going to look later on, like I said, I, I'm going to target guys like Cole, Quintana. I think they're going to give you the innings. And by giving you those innings, they'll accumulate the strikeouts, so I like that. Carlos Martinez, to me, is a guy maybe in the fourth round, that can, if he takes that next step this year, even if he doesn't, he's another guy, doesn't get enough credit. He's pitching the innings. He's not this little kid that, you know, we saw a couple of years back that, you know, can he hold up? Can he be a starter? He's proven he can. So those are the guys there. Later on, I do want to get like a John Lester. I'm a believer in Lester. Even if Lester pitches to a 3.75 ERA this year, he gives me 190 to 200 innings, and you know chips in 180 to 190 in strikeouts. I'm I'm fine with that. Where he goes in drafts,
1: yeah, I think he'll. I do agree with him as a name to look for as a bargain because I think after last season, his stock is going to be way down. He is most likely going to give you those innings and skill wise. Yeah, there was decline. But it was uh, across the board, very mild decline. So that to be even worth where he is on the age curve, uh, you know, he looks like somebody who who could have a nice little bounce back year uh, and and come relatively cheaply. So I, I like that a lot. Uh, and how about much later, like late rounder?
0: I'll uh, give you some a, a uh, late round yeah. guys. I do like Denilson Lamet of the Padres is intriguing. He's got some warts. But in 12-teamers in the NFBC since January 1st, he's going at 215. You know, the home park, when he pitches at home, he's a much better pitcher. Uh, So he's a guy, another guy, I think like uh, with 100 innings or more, there was only like 10 or 11 pitchers that had a higher strikeout percentage than Denilson Lamette. He's a guy that I am targeting. Kevin Gossman, who I had a bench in my AO only league last year. He was so bad at one point. He did change his mechanics halfway through the season, was much better after that. He goes at like 223. I'd probably go back in on that. You know he's going to be given every opportunity to get it. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates' Jamison Tyon, he goes just below the 280 P mark. He's a guy that, look, what he had to go through last year, you know, it started off good and went south, but – The kid was battling cancer. So I think we can give him a pass for that. I still think he has a bright future. So, I mean, those are a couple. And and an older guy that I do like to roster is J.A. Happ. I think think he's a guy that doesn't get enough credit. He's not flashy. He gives you innings. But, you know, some of these guys that nobody likes, you got to take on. Yeah, I, I like
1: uh, Hap a lot too, and yeah, I think you know he'll be under the radar, and you know, likewise, uh, you know, Marco Estrada, I feel like uh, you know doesn't get enough credit, uh, but you know, he's got that.
0: You know, yeah, very they special. were saying something about Estrada had an injury last year. I was hearing he wasn't able. I don't know if it was the back or something, something with his pitching mechanics. He wasn't able to do what he was doing in the past. So, I gotta agree.
1: Uh well awesome. Awesome. Well I, you know, we think alike, Matt,
0: because uh hopefully that's good this year. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm uh, I'm excited and you know I'm, I'm very happy to be on the show talking. Can I get your opinion on one guy? Are you on the Zach Godly train? I am. Well
1: except to the extent that I think a lot of people have gotten on that train and I, I don't think he's gonna be the value uh that he, you know, Certainly was, uh, you know, when he started emerging last season. So that, that's my one sort of caveat with uh, with Zach Godley. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but no, I I, I love the skill set absolutely. And again, you talked about him. this. No, yeah, with I'm the combination him. of ground balls and strikeouts.
0: Yes, I agree. I'm seeing him go 123 since January 1st and 12 teamers. Uh, a lot of people are getting on the He's a guy that as we get closer to March. Should obviously move up. If the Umidor is really in effect, I got to think that helps him. Yeah. But I was just curious to get your take on him because I know a lot of people are starting to get uh It's a name that should keep moving up as we approach the season. Well,
1: he's a good name to end with, Matt. We got to go. But uh, thank you so much for joining me and uh, best of luck. And uh, hopefully, can have you on again sometime before uh, opening day.
0: Anytime, Al. Thank you again.
1: All right. Excellent, Matt. All right. Well, folks, stick around, uh, come back, and we're going to move from the pitchers to a little catcher talk. Be right back.
0: Calling all drivers. Want a career that will take you places? Then Coach USA and Megabus is the place for you. Coach USA and Megabus leaders in the local and intercity bus transportation industry are looking for career minded, conscientious drivers with a valid CDL Class A or B license with passenger endorsement. They offer paid training, competitive salary, and many benefits. Apply now and start driving to a better future. Visit coachusa.jobs. That's coachusa.jobs. <laughs>
1: This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melker, your host. And uh, we have been so long for the time being to Matt Modica. But uh, thanks again to Matt for spending two big segments with us with all kinds of pinchy pitching info. And uh, just be a matter of time before I have Matt back on to uh, talk some more pitching. And who knows, maybe we'll even talk some hitters too. Uh, One hitter that I wanted to get to uh, and (laughs) maybe... uh, a long time before we get to him again uh, on this show, but Kirk Casale did sign a minor league deal with the Rangers. He was uh, just released a couple days ago by the angels who he signed with. Uh, but then they, uh, they picked up Renee Rivera, signed him uh, as a free agent. There was clearly no playing time for Casali, So uh, he requested his release and now the Rangers have picked him up. And, and I found this sort of interesting because just a, it sort of, just mentally, kind of, you know, going through my own depth chart, thinking, well, okay, there's Robinson Chirinos, and then you know, there's some, you know, sort of, you know, there's, I know there's Juan Centeno there, and uh, you know, there's some some types, uh, some catcher types that are, you know, sort of quadruple A types, and maybe Casali's not really that much better than that. But prior to last season, I'm not sure we would have, you know, said that Robinson Chirinos was much more than a quadruple A hitter. And they're very similar. I mean, they, they've shown some power. Torino's uh, more consistently and more recently than Casali. Casale, strangely, has hit for very little power in the minors, but decent power in the majors. Uh, Chirinos, not terrible strikeout rate. Casale, bad strikeout rate in the majors, but but pretty good in the minors. Uh, so, you know, and they both are very pull heavy. So there's some similarities in the profiles of the two. And it occurs to me, Torino's might not, you know, catcher. There's, there's not a lot of options beyond, you know, maybe the top eight or nine uh, that you can really count on. And Torino's almost by default, I think, will be sort of popular as a maybe high-end number two catcher. But I'm not sure that 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 how secure that that job's going to be. And not that Kirk Casale is, you know, uh, necessarily going to be a, a dynamo or anything, but. I don't know that there's that much that separates them offensively or defensively. So just something to think about when you're thinking about your number two catcher and you're thinking about Chirinos. But I want to wind up here with uh, something I just saw on Twitter over the break from uh, Alex Chamberlain, who was just on this show, and he sort of followed up on he followed up on Twitter with things we talked about in the show. And I want to read this. Uh, the other day I told at Al your BB that's me. I'd write uh, fan graphs, captions for every player if I could. Synthesizing concise arguments is great practice. If I recall correctly, Al also asked me how to combat bias. And here's the advice he gave that I I love. And I want you to tuck this away. And I'm going to tuck this away uh, for draft prep because I think this is so good. Dive in looking for data that will change your mind, not reaffirm existing beliefs. Um, however you do it, whether you're going to do your own captions or just take notes on players in a spreadsheet or a Word document, whatever, that, that's a great way to kind of weed out the really key players to, to focus on. Uh, and on that note, I'm, I'm – uh, well, okay, I'm almost out of time here. I had that experience with Todd Frazier writing a player capsule on Todd Frazier the other day and really being surprised that he had, from a skills perspective, a way, way better – 2017 season than i gave him credit for so uh since i am running out of time here i'm not going to dig into that now but i will make sure to make that a segment uh next week on monday's show uh talk about players who have surprised me and, and little data nuggets so with that note uh hope you all have a fantastic weekend and uh thank you for joining me here on the show today so yeah be back monday Same time here on Fantasy Sports Network. And uh, stay tuned for Fantasy Best Friends Forever.